So we have a few new new faces in the class, and that's because we're combining the the membership class and the go therefore class together. Is is everyone the McMahons aren't here, huh? Okay. Well, at least we're recording. Um, so the reason for that is you're kind of stretched a little thin with teachers as they're trying to figure out what what how uh, this this week would look with this class and the other class. And as I was uh, kind of preparing for both and just kind of trying to figure out what, what we would do, reaching out to a few guys, I realized that this subject on discipleship that we're covering today in the Go Therefore class really covers uh, pretty well what we were gonna cover in the new members class. Like we were trying to answer two questions in the new, in, in the new members class is uh, one is, what what we will do for you uh, and what kind of what the church will do for you as members and then uh, what our expectations are of you as uh, as members so uh, I, I was working through the uh, kind of just studying for discipleship and I thought this works quite well uh, if you're not quite sure how that's going to work well I hope I hope as we go through it you'll you'll realize we have a lot to cover, and um, part of that is just, just a lot of scripturing this, this morning, because I thought it would be encouraging as we <coughs> think about the Great Commission to actually see what happened after the disciples received the Great Commission. Because if we look and see what happened after they received the Great Commission, kind of probably have a better understanding of of how they understood the Great Commission. This is the command they received, and this is what they then went to do. So the beginning of this class, we're going to look at that. Uh, and as I said, we're going to read a lot of scripture. So let me, let me just start by reading, rereading the Great uh, Commission as we find it in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 16 through the end of the chapter. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to keep all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay. So this is what we've been going through in this class, is the Great Commission. We, we generally uh, think, when we think of the Great Commission, I think we generally think of evangelism. And that's not wrong, but there's a lot more to it. Uh, and this is where we're getting into the discipleship. As Christ, as Christ tells his, uh, his disciples, go therefore, um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So, someone look at Acts. I'm going to have you guys doing a lot of the reading as we work through this. Acts chapter 1, and just once you're there, if you want to read, you can just start reading Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Very good. So Christ had told them as he gave them the great commission, Behold, I'm, I'm with you even at the end of the age. And then all of a sudden he bails. But how, how, is, he, how is he with them? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, right? We think about the kind of upper room discourse. He talks about him going away. He says, but it's better for you that I go away. Believe it or not, it's actually better for you that I go away. And he talks about his sending his promised Holy Spirit. So we have the, the Great Commission, the Ascension. Someone read Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, uh, we're going to read verses 18 uh, just to the end of the chapter. Kind of starts, Ephesians is kind of an awkward place to jump in and start reading because it's like this long run-on sentence. So I'm sorry about that. Just start reading uh, verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, which are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay. Now this is just a reminder as we think of the Great Commission, as we think of uh, Christ saying that all authority has, has been given to him, which as we've talked already in this class, he's saying, hey, all authority has been given to me, and now I am commissioning you to go. It's like we... we under are going under his authority and then this these comforting words at the end of uh of the great commission behold i'm with you always and this promise of the holy spirit we really ought to be able to go forward in confidence this this last week we talked about just the the difficulties that we can have in sharing christ with other people uh, because it's it's an offensive message it's, as we talked about the analogy of the house on fire, we see the danger, but m most of the time, the people that we are speaking to don't see the danger. So there, there's, a, there's a difficulty there, but we can have confidence. We can go forward uh, in um, not only under the authority of Christ, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This is how we're going forward. And this is how we see uh, really what, what begins to happen uh, with the early church. So let's go back to Acts, and someone read Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 41 through the end of the chapter. Sorry, Acts, what? 
Uh, Acts chapter 2, 41 uh, to the end of the chapter. So those who received his word were baptized. There were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together in all things and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending to the temple together breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay, so I want to I want to do something I don't normally do. Get on the whiteboard, uh, just to help illustrate this a little bit. So you know, you've got so if we're here in Jerusalem, we've got our little people. Uh, we'll say that's the disciples. Guess they added they added someone, so we can make that twelve actually, right? Judas left, but then they still had 12. Then in this passage, we read about what, how many people? After Peter stands up and says, this Jesus whom you crucified, like he wasn't mincing words. Peter stands up and pre- proclaimed the gospel to the very people who murdered the Son of God. You, you, we think it's difficult to share the gospel with someone. He stands there in front of people who were there saying, crucify him, crucify him. He's preaching it to to the people who are yelling this slanderous insults at him. And he says, you did this. But guess what? It was God. This was God's plan all along. And then there's how, how, how are we to be saved? And he proclaims the good news of the gospel to them. And how many people? 3,000. 3,000. Okay. And then this description in 42 and following. What's being described there? Are these just 3,000 random people like, oh, we're, we're now, now we're saved and now we're just going to go about our life. So what would, what would we call this organism. The church. The church, right? The church. So I'm going to draw my little church here. I don't think they had steeples, but... <laughs> okay, so the church in Jerusalem. This, they, they come to saving faith. They start gathering together. They start sharing everything in common. They start hearing the, the, the teaching of the apostles, fellowshipping, breaking bread, praying together. This is the church. Now, um, Acts 8, 1. I'll go ahead and read this. Short verse. Acts 8, 1. And Saul approved of his execution, of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. You know, so now it's being called. It's the church. Against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So we have this scattering now. 
all different directions. Okay. And what caused the scattering? Persecution. Oh no. The church is ruined. Right? That would be the initial response. Like, oh, thank you. But did, was persecution, did that end up being a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. I love Damien's reaction. Yeah. It's always a good thing. It's always a good thing, right? <laughs> so even in persecution, a good thing started to happen. Someone read Acts. Now, this isn't an exhaustive uh, list of lo locales and things like that, but it gives us a good picture. Acts 11, 19 through 26. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then, when he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came about that for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Okay. So as a result of this persecution, as a result of uh, this scattering, obviously this isn't to scale, but we now have reference to the church in Antioch. You can't have a church without people, right? And I really should draw more, but I'm not going to spend my time. One <laughs> person. So, so the, obviously in the um, passages that we hadn't read, Saul has come to faith. Barnabas, as, as, uh, the scattering happens, the church is formed in Antioch, the church in Jerusalem hears what's going on, and they send Barnabas to go to Antioch. Barnabas needs help in the ministry, so he goes and finds Saul, and they start serving in Antioch. And is it simply this kind of quick missionary tour to get conversions, and then they're off to the next place? They spent a whole year there. They spent a whole year this is going to be a trend as we see, as we'll continue reading. A year is kind of a short period of time in some of these places. So they, sent a, they spent a whole year. And what are they doing during that year? Making disciples. Making disciples. And it says they, uh, they met with the church for a whole year and taught a great many people. There's, there's teaching going on. I'm sure, much like what we saw in... <coughs> Jerusalem is just duplicated and happening 
here now in Antioch. Um, Acts, let's see here. Acts 13. Someone read Acts 13, 1 through 3. Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Okay. And next week we're going to get kind of more into world mission. <coughs> There's a lot of bleed over um, right now. This 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 whole thing could have been done either this week or next week, but I think I wanted to do it this week, so we're doing it. Um, so the church in Antioch sets aside Barnabas and Saul. They uh, they send them out. Uh, let's see Acts fourteen twenty one through twenty three. And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Okay, so Paul and Barnabas go out. They start going around to places like um, Antioch and Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra. And as we see then, they circle back around and says, what are they doing? They're appointing who? They're appointing elders in the church. They're, strength they're continuing to teach them. They're strengthening them and encouraging them. And there's going to be, there's going to be suffering. This is, kind of this, this whole thing where we got scattered because of persecution. That's kind of the norm. Don't be surprised when that happens. Um, so the church in, got like Antioch. Uh, yeah, Antioch and Pisidia, Iconium. Lystra, all this is happening. Get my little people. Now they're losing arms. Only the church. Only the church in Iconium. Persecution. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's it's spreading. So it's again the the as we're doing this, we're seeing that there is. So much more to the Great Commission than just going and winning converts and moving on. I heard some one one person say, "If you're winning, if you're winning converts and moving on, and not discipling, you're not obeying the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. The Great Commission is more holistic than simply, hey, let me get your decision card.'" 
and move on. Now, I want to be really careful. I'm not saying there's not a place for, I don't know, I, the first thing that pops in my mind from my generation, like Billy Graham crusades and things like that. I personally do think there's some weaknesses there, <coughs> but that God can obviously use those things. And when there is intention, it even, even I, as a teenager, I helped with a Billy Graham crusade in San Diego. <coughs> And there was, they tried as much as they could with the thousands of people that were filling Qualcomm Stadium. They tried as much as they could to try to connect them to, to local churches and things like that. There's only so much you can do, but they, they, there at least was an effort there. Um, let's see. Acts 14, 26 uh, through 28 says, And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. So they came back to their home church. Um, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles and there remained no little time with the disciples. So they go out, they establish churches, they appoint elders to make sure that these, these are real churches, that these, these are churches that there's, there's teachers, there's pastors there to care for these, to, to care for the congregation. They spent time and then they came back to their sending church, reported to them, and as it says here, they remained no little time there with the disciples. Um, and Acts 16, four through five says, as they went on uh, their way through the cities, um, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers. That's basically speaking about the Jerusalem council as uh, you have this, this big up, uprising in, uh, the, with the Judaizers teaching, okay, is it, is it Jesus and the law that saves you? And what was the decision? Jesus only. Jesus only, right? Now, they did say, but there are some things that as Jews and Gentiles are coming together, what are some practical ways that we, that we can show the love of Christ to one another? Well, let's not eat things that are sacrifice idols. Let's uh, abstain from sexual immorality, of course. Let's uh, not eat things with blood remaining in them. Now, that, that one's like a what? What's, what? what's wrong with that? And again, this goes back to just brotherly love. Hey, this, as we come together, these different cultures, understand there's going to be some things you have to overcome. Let's not do that because that's going to make this a whole lot easier. And guess what? The report that we hear as they go out, as Paul and Barnabas go out, share what has, the decision that has been made, the report is people are receiving it well. Like, oh, Okay, I can do that. That sounds good. Um, okay, someone read, uh, let's see, Acts 19, 8 through 10. This is Paul in Ephesus. And he entered the synagogue and for three months, Boldly, 
reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when, that when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Okay, so from here, coming out to Ephesus. And uh, someone read Acts 20, 17. I'm going to do a couple of other verses as well. Twenty, But start with 2017. Now from Malthus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Okay, so hold it there, Baron. I'll have you continue in just a second. Okay, so he goes to Ephesus. He's teaching for over two years, and this next reference we have is he's calling for the elders in Ephesus, which obviously continues our theme. He's establishing churches. Okay, and uh, same chapter, Barrett, verses 24 through 28. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Okay. So this, as we see Paul, as we see the various the churches established, we see the teaching around the church, you know, if this kind of falls into the, the new members class of like what what we will do for you well this is the this is kind of part of that commission for elders as Paul gathers the elders of the church of Ephesus and and he describes his his uh, witness before them how he, he did not shrink from declaring to them the whole counsel of God this is important for us as a church that the church is our our task is to proclaim the whole counsel of God. Again, we're not shying away. We're not from things. some things that are hard to understand. We're not like just camping out on, on in areas that are easy to teach or uh, just like easier to hear. Like I think you know this will be easier for the congregation. Our task as a church, as elders and pastors, is to teach the whole counsel of God. And Paul says he didn't shrink away. That what does that imply if you're not if you're saying I didn't shrink away from telling you these things? They're hard, right? Some of the things that you have to say are hard things. You know, where the the church and as you come in as 
as members, we need to be speaking into one another's lives. And sometimes that means sharing hard things. As some of us, and it, it, the whole counsel of God, this is what we have been entrusted with. This isn't, this is where pastors and elders really need to stick in their lane too. Because it's not, it's not that I'm going to have to tell you some hard things. I, I need to tell you how to shoot, tie your shoes the, correctly or you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to micromanage your life. No. All we are tasked in, and this goes all the way back to Jerusalem, the Great Commission, all authority has been given in, unto me. I am now sending you, and it's in what I am telling you to do, baptize, to, to teach them to observe or keep all that I have commanded you. So that this... This is our lane, the, the whole counsel of God. Um, and then as, so his instructions to the elders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So this is, this is our call as, as leaders in the church to you as, as members, I'm using the word members, obviously anyone in our context, we're gonna to strive to do this, whether you're a member or a regular attender, I'll get into, into that in a minute. We're gonna to strive to care for you. This is what we need to be doing. We don't always do it well. We don't always do it well. We are sinners just like you are, uh, but our, we should be striving to care for you. Okay, and kind of our last stop on this tour um, is Rome. Someone read Acts twenty-eight sixteen. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Okay. Why why was Paul in this condition with a soldier? He's under arrest, right? He 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 came via shipwreck and all this to to Rome under arrest uh, to give an account. This is where Paul wanted to go. But again, we kind of see as is persecution that scattered the church. Paul, Paul continues to, to tell the churches not you know, to expect uh, to expect persecution and it's uh, Paul ends up in Rome uh, go, arriving there in chains. Someone read Acts uh, just some a few more verses in uh, 28 Acts 28 23 through 24. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And then, uh, honey, if you just want to read verses 30 and 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Okay. 
So Paul arrives in Rome in chains. He's under house arrest. They didn't have the uh, ankle bracelets in those days, so you have a soldier with you. But he's in, as people are gathering, Paul doesn't quit just sharing the gospel. Like, okay, this is, this is what I wanted to go to Rome for in the first place. So people are gathering. He's sharing uh, the whole counsel of God with them, proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching them about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And then, of course, we have on the very next page his letter to the Romans. And, yeah, no shock. It's the Roman church. A church has been established uh, in Rome. Um, he, he addresses in Romans 1, 7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and for the sake of time, we're not going to read more of that. But the main point in all of this, and there's even one takeaway you get from this class, is that churches are the center of God's great commission plan. Churches are the center of God's great commission plan. So as we read the Great Commission and we tend to think just solely in this kind of evangelistic way of just soul winning here and here and here and here. No, it's not wrong, but we need to bring people into the church. The church is God's, is the center of God's Great Commission plan. Um, our, our goal our goal as gospel proclaimers as we've talked about in this class so far is, is not simply to make a, a decision get someone to a point of a decision and move on uh, the, the, there's more to it as we've seen in the Great Commission baptizing them, teaching them I think Ryan mentioned last week uh, just noticing the order of things there we tend to for some reason push baptism a little further along down the road we kick it down the road a bit <laughs> yep. that the what we see in the early church is baptism is taking place right away if someone is saved they're 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 immediately baptized uh, and then they come under the churches they come under the church's teaching um, Notice just in the teaching, as we already mentioned, Paul spent multiple years in some locations. Um, does anyone, I don't know if it's white noise to, to some of us now, but as you come in the main door, what verse is on the outside of this building? Josh? Ephesians 4.12. Ephesians 4.12. What does it say? Uh, the equipping of this the equipping of the saints. Yep. Now you're, you're spot on. Ephesians 4.12 To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up the body of Christ. So this is the church. Church in all these locations. Jerusalem, Antioch, Antioch and Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Ephesus, Rome, and guess what? It's gone all the way around to Nashville, Tennessee. We are the church. 
we equip you and we send you out. Just as has happened throughout all this. We send you out. And again, it's not just sending you out to put notches on your belt. It's not about you. It's not about you. We go out in the love of Christ. The love of Christ compels us to share the good news, to bring, to build up the body of Christ. Because every, as we see churches, who's the head of the church? Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And we're building up the body of Christ. We're bringing new members, new brothers and sisters into the family of God. This is the the building up of the body of Christ. Um, So churches, again, are the center of God's great commission plan. We're we're equipping you. We're sending you out for the work of ministry. Um, As we saw, let's see here. Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 11. We'll go ahead and read, read some of these verses. It says that he gave the apostles, this is obviously the verse right before uh, the equipping, for he, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints of the, of, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So we see, we see these roles in the church First um, Peter five. Again, this is really follow, falling into the. Uh, if it was the membership class, membership class portion of this is kind of that question of what we will do for you. This is this is the the leader's charge over you. First Peter uh, five one through three. Peter says, "I exhort the elders among you." as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And there's also this level of, as we teach, and equip, there's also a, a level of protection. Peter continues in verses 6 through 9. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So the, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour back. How, does, how do we resist him? Firm in what? Firm in your faith. How do you stay firm in your faith? You trust who's going to fight him. You trust who's going to fight him? And, and where do you hear about that? In scripture? Yeah. In the the preaching. In the church, right? This is, in the summer, we're going to get into a a longer class on the ordinary means of grace. If you are out here, we're about to get into this with Paul's analogy of the body. If you're out here, like, okay, hey, this whole thing, 
that I read in scripture about the church, that's great. That's not for me. I'm just going to do my thing. You think this person is going to be able to stand firm in their faith? No. You, the God's design is the church. Our faith is strengthened. We are equipped. We are encouraged. We, the, the, as we think about the ordinary means of grace, the, the preaching of the word, the receiving of the sacraments of baptism and communion, uh, communion prayer, and, uh, the, and church discipline, kind of that very even kind of ordinary way that church discipline happens, where it's like me going to Damien, or better, probably more likely Damien coming to me and saying, hey, Jeremy, you got some ketchup on your face. You know, not that, not that sort of thing, because that would be outside your lane. <laughs> no, you're, you, you can tell me if I got ketchup on my face. But, you know, it's, this, is, this is how we are, how we grow in grace, how we are encouraged in, our, in grace, how we stand firm in the faith is, is through, um, through the church. So let's jump ahead to this analogy that Paul gives of the body of Christ. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm not going to read, I'm only going to read a few verses out of here. It's, so 1 Corinthians 12, I'm just going to read verses 12 through 13. For just as the body is one, and, is, and has many members, and all the members of the body, uh, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And then he goes on to give this the analogy that you're probably familiar with about you know the the body not not appreciating the other members. Like huh, I am I'm a mouth. I don't I don't need that little toe. You know, in fact, it's not even it's outside of my peripheral vision. I don't even care about that. I don't even know that it exists. No, if I, if we cared for the church, as we cared for our own our own body, it would be, I would love to see that. <laughs> I would love to see that in my own life, me caring for all of you as well as I care for my own body, because when I'm when I'm physically hurting somewhere, I want to track that down. Like, okay, why is why is this bugging me? I'm right, right now I've got shoulder pains again for some reason. So I'm careful with it. Like, okay, no fast, no fast movements. Don't raise it up too high. You know, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being careful and tender with it. If I could care for you guys, and again, this, this isn't just pastors and elders. This is all of us. If we could care for one another the way we care for our physical body, what a beautiful thing that would be. I think we see that in Acts 2. Because it's like, oh, you have a need? Guess what? I've got this property that I don't really need. I'm going to go sell it, and I'm going to help you meet that need. And it's not like grudgingly, but it's like, oh, th there's a need in my body? Yeah, I'll go take care of that. <clears throat> this is the body of Christ uh, working uh, in love, and that's exactly 
That's exactly where Paul uh, takes his letter to the Corinthians as he goes through in, in this church that is so caught up in spiritual gifts and thinking of themselves higher than one another to the point where they're showing up early uh, and as a church and devouring communion and, and just the, the love feast they're having, not even taking any consideration for the for the slaves of the church who can't are still working and can't quite get there yet. They're eating their full their fill, not worrying about them. Or they're like, oh I've got these wonderful gifts. Mm. Let me tell you about all these gifts I've got. And not considering other people. He Paul then goes and says <laughs> I will show you still a more excellent way. And, and he goes into this, into chapter 13, speaking of love, this passage that's read a lot at, at weddings, probably should be read more in the church. This is how we, this is how we love one another. It's, it, it is funny that we, I, you know, I, I read chapter 13, I, I immediately start thinking of me and my wife. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to try to strive to love her this way. And I should, because guess what? She's my sister in Christ. But I need, I need to love Larry and Kelsey. I need to love everyone this way in the church. This is how, this is how we care for one another. Um, like I said, we've got a lot, a lot to get through, so I want to make sure I'm hitting everything. Um, caring for one another's needs, meeting one another's needs, Helping in our weaknesses. Um, this is something, the last time I taught the member, member class, I wanted to touch on. There's a failure that happens a lot of times in churches where the pastors and elders be, start being viewed as we are the ones who dole out the care. First off, like I said a minute ago, that's really all of our responsibilities. There is a calling in our teaching and for, for pastors and elders to care, but there's a real breakdown when I, as a pastor, can't tell you I'm struggling in this area. I am weak in this area, and I need your care for me. So this, this kind of, uh, as I taught the last membership uh, class section, this fell into the what we expect of you. I want you to care for me. I want you to care for Ryan and Brennan and the elders. Just because we have some title and we strive to fulfill that role as best as we can under the authority of, of Christ our head. We are sinners. We are weak. So there is times that our, as the author of Hebrews would say, our, our knees are feeble and weak, and we need someone to come and lift us up. We're not always the strong ones. Sometimes, sometimes we need you to come you know uh doug says doug says that peter in his letter is kind of um being kind and saying and calling elders shepherds he says really we're just sheep 
and we're the sheep and everyone's all stick our heads up and say hey Christ is over we're supposed to follow Christ but guess what sometimes I need you to come and say Jeremy Christ is over here yeah I'm, we're not your your leadership there's not always going to be um, the strong one we're not we're not exempt from admitting our needs and admitting our weaknesses we're not exempt from being cared for um, Colossians Colossians 3, Colossians 3, 12 uh, through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is, this is us operating as a body of Christ, loving one another. How sad is it for someone thinking that they can operate outside of the church? You read this passage, you're missing out. You are missing out. We want, you want to know what the, what the Great Commission and making disciples is all about? This, 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 is, this is it. This is the church living life together in a bond of love, teaching each other, encouraging one another, building one another up, going out, bringing, bringing more into the household of faith and building them, them up, encouraging them in the faith. Um, quickly, to kind of wrap up, best I can gonna run a little bit late if if you need to run to get kids or anything like that feel free to get up um, how does how does this look practically I think I've already hit on some um, first the difference between regular attenders and members as I said earlier I'm not going to that your elders are not going to say, okay, so-and-so is a member, so they get, they get more of our attention. You know, this is, honestly, a, a lot of times we'd have to like, look up in the official records now. Oh, so-and-so's not a, hasn't become a member yet? Oh, okay, I didn't know that. That's encouraging to become a member. But yeah, that's not gonna, that, that, that is not a factor. So why do we encourage you to become members then? Why do you think if it's not a factor for the leadership of the church and choosing one person over another to care for, why do you think membership might be important? It's like an instant accountability if there's a need for that at some point. So, you know, we're subjecting ourselves to the leadership, right? Exactly. So, for us as elders, giving your permission. we don't see, we don't, you know, we don't go around and like put little, 
you know, give you a hug and like, okay, yeah, we have to put the member sticker on it. <laughs> you know, sort of thing. But it's it's us. It's it's you as kind of a part part of this body saying, I I want to officially say, hey, I want to be part of you. I want to take on the responsibility of caring for those who are around me. I want you to care for me. So membership is really about us as individuals saying, hey, I want, I, I really need to be part of this. And I'm doing that to the extent that I'm making this official. Yeah, I, I wear a wedding ring. I get, I, I don't like wearing jewelry. So I oftentimes get home and when it's just Courtney and the boys and I, I go in and put it in a little dish on the bathroom sink because I just like to have freedom a little bit of, <laughs> from my finger. Not freedom from Courtney. Am I any, am I any less married? Am I any less married because I'm not wearing my ring? No, but I proudly, when I, especially when I'm out of the house, proudly wear my ring. And if I'm not wearing it and, I'm, and I get driving down the street and like, Oh no, I took it off. A lot of times I'll turn around and come back or, yeah, you know, it doesn't happen as often as it maybe used to. I don't, know, I don't think it ever ha- happens that, that much. But it's like, I'll, when I'm out about, all of a sudden like, oh, something's wrong, I'm missing my ring. This is, I want people to know I belong to Courtney. I'm her husband. Membership is very much that same thing. It's like, I want to be part of this officially. I want to put my name in and say, yes, I am Damien Rivera, and I love this body of believers in Nashville, Tennessee, and I am committing myself to care for the people here at this church. And I am submitting myself to the authority of this church and being cared for. So that's, that's kind of that, that difference between kind of being a regular attender and a member Again, it's not the level of care you get. It's more about the level of this commitment that you're giving to care for care for others in the church. Um, what do we expect of you? Well, as I've already kind of talked about, using this stick figure as my uh, my target, we expect you to be present as much as is possible. Be here. Don't, don't uh, fall in, into the trap of saying, oh yeah, I, I go to CBC, but I, I, you never go. Because you may be on the books as a member, but if you go away, you're not enjoying all that we just read in, in Colossians. So we expect you to be here, as we'll see in the summer, the ordinary means of grace, that, that we, you, you need to be present to enjoy the benefits of the church, to, to, be, uh, to, to enjoy all of this. We want you to, uh, you know, this part of being present is what Doug really dug into in Ephesians is this fellowship aspect. 
living life together. Again, you go back to Acts 2, they're, they're living life together. They were, um, being, they were in one another's lives. Well, you pray for the church. Prayers, prayer is so much more important than we realize. We are much more dependent on God than we even know. And prayer is just a simple demonstration that we realize our dependency on Him. And if we are caring for one another as we care for our physical bodies, we'd be praying for one another. Praying for the, the praying for one another's children. Praying for the salvation of those that we care for. Praying for marriages. Praying uh, for for families. Praying for for spiritual growth, through encouragement, um, all all of these things, we'd be praying for another. We we want you to serve in the church. Um, so there's there's a, a tendency for some to want to be able to you know you slip in a little late, take a back seat, slip out a little bit early. Again, that's. You're here. You're missing that fellowship aspect. You're, you're, you might not be quite where this guy is, but you're kind of, you know, I don't know, that, that the escape artist. You, know, you want to be careful of that. Um, part of the way that we're careful with that is we're actually serving the church. We're serving one another. There's official ways of serving, like children's ministry and audio video things and making coffee and doing doing the sound for Sunday school and the sound for the service. There's so many ways to serve. That that's a real if if you're gonna break it down into a pie chart, that'd be a small wedge, probably. Kind of the the serving uh, that happens, kind of that we we want you to serve in those roles for sure. We need it. But there's there's so many ways that we can serve one another that. I know there's so many people in this church that do serve people in ways that we never even hear of. Every once in a while you just hear, oh, 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 that's awesome. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, there's service. We don't think about prayer as serving one another often. I mean, I think of people like Joe Howell, who's, she can't leave her home. I know she prays. So there's there's prayer. We we do a disservice to prayer when we when we think of it as kind of a lesser way of serving one another. Um, we when you do serve, we want you to serve joyfully, as Paul says. You, God loves a, a cheerful giver. This is that whether it's money or time, resources, whatever it is, we want you to serve joyfully. Um, what does is, what is a call to service look like at CBC? Oftentimes it's, hey, Jeremiah, would you mind doing this? And you are completely in your freedom to say, you know, when Paul, when Paul uh, sent for Apollos, said, hey, Apollos, how about you go over here? Apollos was like, eh, not right now. <laughs> First, I want to tell the Apostle Paul that. First off, I think Apostle would be kind of a cool guy to get to know, maybe. But <laughs> like, 
No, th- there's there's a place. Like if I just ask you to do something, doesn't mean you have to do it. But at the same time, if we're serving one another, loving one another, there's going to be probably a lot of times where we say, "Yeah, I could I could do that. I think I can swing that. We can do these things." Um, you're asked to serve, or you simply see a need, and you step in to fill it. And this, I think, a lot of times falls into that category of kind of the unseen things that happen in the church. People just saying, "Oh, there's a need." Oh, I don't, I don't need to go talk with Ryan or Jeremy about that because I just realize I can just go do it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's wonderful. Um, let's see. Just ra- wrapping up. The to br- kind of bring it all in, as I've kind of morphed the go therefore class with the new members class. What we've been talking about was just the church. So as we think about the the normative way that the Great Commission is carried out, the normative way that that happens is in the context of the church, through the church. And we should hopefully see this kind of pattern where we're spreading out, where we are... um, Equipping one another, sending one another out, bringing people in. That's the normative way that the discipleship is modeled in scriptures is just through living life together in the church. That doesn't mean, you know, the, you think of the typical discipleship model of, uh, well, Larry coming to Jeremy and saying, Jeremy, I would like to disciple you. We're going to meet every morning at 6 a.m. at Panera uh, on Fridays, and we're going to go through this thing. And Is that wrong? No, not at all. There's some things we need to watch out for. First, first thing in that kind of scenario is a lot of times it's, okay, I'm going to school (laughs) I'm going to school someone here I'm going to give them my wealth of knowledge (laughs) if your attitude is just about like again getting a notch on your belt saying this is this is more for my benefit as I get to bring someone up no don't do that now if you're saying oh there's a need I see I see this person in the church you can use some maybe extra one-on-one love and care is about that person serving them. That's probably the, the healthier um, way that that model plays out. But the, the normative discipleship model is just in, in, the, in the context of the church, living life uh, with one another. Again, that goes back, we have to be present to do that. We have to get to know people to do that. I can't this is our, as we, our home fellowship groups kind of come down to two groups and going into the fall, we're hoping to kind of build, build those up. As we look at that, that model of character, it's really like just living life together. So you can have some people that you spend some more time with that sometimes a Sunday morning is not practical to, to do as much, 
Or you can live life with them and, and be more transparent about your weaknesses and your strengths and stepping in to serve one another, to know how to best pray for one another. That's, that's kind of um, that, the normative way that this happens. Um, <coughs> last, just to close. If you had a friend in no, California, you have a friend in California you've been praying for, Lord, please bring this person to yourself. Father, John, John needs to know you. You're praying for him, and you get a call call one day from John he says Damien guess what I believe Damien what would you want what would you want what would be your hope for John out in California would be like oh great you got your fire insurance wonderful (laughs) what's your what's our hope for our friend in California who's just been saved what what do we want? What do we hope for him to do? Like a local assembly. That's going to love him and teach him properly, and you know, uh, teach him all of the things that Christ told us to do to you know, to obey His commandments. The only way you can even attempt to do that is to know them. To know them, you've got to have someone teaching you, caring for you guiding you in, in the this crazy thing we call the Christian life, you know? Yeah. Um, until he finds that, I would be like, hey, dude, let's let's call each other like every week and make sure that, you know, you're standing firm and you're studying and that you're reading your Bible or, you know, until you can find a place that, that works. Here's some podcasts I want you to listen to. And, uh, hey, I'll listen to them at the same time and we'll have discussions about them. You know, because I would want you to grow in your knowledge of God and of, of the Son. Yeah. So but the, the, the eventuality is that you're going to become part of a, a local body that can do that. Yeah. That, you know, is present with you and can see you all the time and, and encourage you. Speak and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that only... Encourage you and and remind you of the theological things that you're now learning. You know, it's just yeah. without that connection to a local body, you're not going to lose your salvation. You've been saved. The Lord has redeemed you. You're not going to lose your salvation, but you're not going to benefit from all of the the gifts that the Lord has given the church to give. Yeah. So we have that opportunity to be those friends, to be that, be the church that we want John to find. That's our opportunity here with, with one another. And this is, yeah, as, as we're talking about this John guy, yeah, I was, I've, you think about the number of, I think in Nashville, especially because we're, there's so many churches around, we kind of have an expectation that you know people are going to come to church and kind of have a grasp 
on the basics. But we've had plenty of people come into our context and we've just had to like gently say, hey, this thing you're doing, the, the, the word of God actually says that's sin. And we're like, oh, I didn't know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. And that this is the body of Christ working together. This is, this is discipleship. This is carrying out the Great Commission where we get, we get to be that to one another. We get to be the friend that, and the church that we hope John in California finds to anyone who, here who comes into our context. Well, it's way past, well, yeah, way past time. So I'm going to pray and we um, can get down to the service. Father, uh, we praise you for your love for us. We praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, uh, who has uh, perfectly fulfilled your law, who has paid the penalty for our sin, who uh, died and rose again, who ascended on high, who will come back uh, to judge uh, the earth in the last days. Father, we um, praise you for your Holy Spirit who indwells us, who... Um, gives who just let uh, uh, who who binds us together who unites us in peace father who uh, convicts us who reminds us in our conviction that we have a heavenly father who we can call out abba to uh, father i thank you for your church uh, that you have not saved us into nothing but you have brought us into your body so that we can share all the many benefits that are ours in christ and we can live that life together, uh, enjoying those things with one another. I pray that you would help us all to um, just all the more share, uh, share in those benefits with one another, share those benefits with one another, uh, to love one another well, uh, to love one another as we love our own bodies. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.